With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, welcome to this week's edition of the Thinking.com Norwich City podcast. We have plenty of action to get our teeth into. Dave Freezer here alongside Connor Southwell. And Chris Fakey, we're also coming to you on Future Radio 107.8 FM. We're squeezing in a pod ahead of the Arsenal game because it is just an action-packed restart, isn't it? A game every three or four days. Um, But, uh, Chris, you were watching this um, from home, so let's get a bit of a feel for... For what you what you made of Norwich's performance, really? I mean, this as a game against Manchester United, all right, a two-one defeat, but I think it sort of breathed a little bit of life back into Norwich fans, isn't it? Yeah. First thing, from a couch potato point of view, it was by far and away the best viewer experience I've had. I actually felt that this is not to do with the football performance. BBC got it spot on. I felt with the sound effects. And that really does make a difference if you're at home. You might not agree with what the commentators are saying, but but forget that. That This was by far and away the best football-watching experience I've had uh, in Project Restart. Um, so that was good. That was one thing. Obviously, completely different that fans weren't there to cheer the team on. But the performance, where on earth did it come from? I, 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 you know, the evidence of the previous two games didn't lead me to think they would do what they did against Manchester United. I thought they played very well. Uh, I, I sort of waited for them in the second half. I, I was waiting for the fade. I was waiting for the, the fitness graph to, to descend, as I felt it had done in the two Premier League games, but it didn't. Um, and you could see one or two players, I thought notably Ben Godfrey, seemed to get a, a big second wind. What um, run from Jamal Lewis <laughs> in extra time? <laughs> well, there was a point where the commentator actually said, well, I think it was the co-commentator, I can't remember who it was, um, said, why on earth is he doing that at this stage in the match? And I would imagine me and several other people shouted, because he's trying to win it. Yeah. You know, of course he did it. It was a ludicrous comment. I, I see what he, he's thinking, but, you know, Lewis, yeah, he, I thought he had a good game. Um, worked very hard, and all of them did. Um, and I just, at the end of it, I couldn't think of any negatives, except why haven't they done that in the first two games? But I think there's, there are various reasons for that. But really enjoyable, very unlucky Norwich City, um, and a little bit lucky uh, Manchester United to be through the semi-finals again. I guess it's a bit of a chicken and egg situation, isn't it, The uh, watching it on TV and how entertaining it is? Because the game was good, wasn't it? And I wrote about this in the Six Things piece, which of course you can see at thinking.com. Um, 36 shots for United, yeah. which I think must be a Carrow Road record. Um, you know, stats for those sort of things only go back so far, but um, it's certainly the most this year. Okay, there was extra time, but then 10 from Norwich, so 46 shots in a match. Mm. Connor, that is pretty <laughs> ridiculous, isn't it? But 
when we were sat in in our sort of temporary press box where we are behind the glass um, behind the director's box I was enjoying it for the first time because the first two games I didn't really enjoy them at all and I it hasn't really felt like football but that now having seen that it makes you think well it is the football that dictates it at the end of the day isn't it yeah, I'm in complete agreement with, with you, to be honest. I don't know if it's because we're sort of adapting to life behind closed doors a little bit and maybe sort of adjusting slightly, but it, it, it was a really good game of football, actually. There was intensity, there was tempo, there was pretty much all of the things that had been lacking in the first two from, from Norwich City's perspective. I mean, you, you spoke about, what, 46 shots there. I'm, I'm looking at the, the stats in front of me now. There was only nine on target. So um, <laughs> that, that shows a bit a bit, um, the, the, the rhythm of the game. Norwich still only had one shot on target throughout, which was obviously Campwell's. Um, but it was a really good game of football. And, and from Norwich City's perspective, yeah, plenty of reasons to be cheerful that perhaps haven't been there in recent weeks. And, of course, we, we mustn't get sort of, uber positive they, they they still lost the game probably deservedly so but they ran Manchester United close and I think it's always probably a bit of an advantage when you can bring on six substitutes worth x amount of, of pounds um in, into into the into the game is, is always going to help but yeah a really good game of football Norwich City did tremendously well from a, a defensive perspective they just felt like there was a lot more balance in their side that, that we didn't see in the first two games and you know, they've taken a lot of criticism, I think, probably tactically and the way they've approached things since the restart. But I think they got this pretty much spot on and I'm sure we'll delve into the reasons for why. But um, yeah, I would imagine there'll be a lot of Norwich fans looking at that performance, looking at the results at the weekend and uh, the fact that what no bottom five team has, has won. Well, I think Brighton have, haven't they? But, but under them haven't won since the restart. So that probably shows maybe how it favours the... The, the so-called big clubs or certainly the higher ranked clubs but um, there is still slightly a, a reason to be positive and, and to be cheerful um, and I, I think we, we're just glad of the, the nature of the performance because if, if Norwich would have suffered another defeat then, then that would have killed it completely but um, yeah positive energetic good performance and uh, something to build on now. Yeah you're right we can't get too carried away with it can we because um, they, they did lose in the end and, and they did have 36 shots against. But um, I think what th- that number is a slightly deceptive because United were shooting at all opportunities, weren't they? And um, certainly the first half, I remember, I think it was three shots in quite quick succession that Alex Tetty was in the way of. The, the, st- the stats actually show that him and Godfrey made four blocks of, of shots. So United really were sort of, a bit desperate at times uh, for this and, and trying to kill it off. But interestingly, after the Everton game, Tim Krull had said that uh, in his quotes, um, something along the lines of, we don't need to go and win the game in the first 20 minutes. That And, and the whole overall tweak, which we'll come on to a bit, um, felt like they were just being a, a bit more solid to start with before going on to try and win the game um, from that point on. But um, I think I said this in our... Facebook Live on Thursday when we looked back on the Everton game um, that uh, in a way this is the outcome I was hoping for a defeat but Norwich playing well um, a narrow defeat uh, a good game bit of drama and now Chris we don't need to talk about Wembley behind closed doors which I really did not want if Norwich are going to go to their first FA Cup semi-final in 28 years let alone before you even think about the, the fact of getting to the first club's FA Cup final, to have done that without fans, I think would have been devastating for a lot of Norwich fans. Yeah, I see your point, but 
you know, <laughs> when you look at the history books and it says Norwich get to a semi-final in 2020, they still got there, fans or not. It's the fans who are missing out on the experience, but the team actually attained that, that, that status of semi-finalists and possibly finalists. I don't, I sort of think you have to suck it up. These are the circumstances we're in. It's the same for everybody else. You, I don't think much as fans... You see, this is something that annoyed me a little bit at the weekend. Uh, before Manchester United game, a lot of fans on social media said, I'm not going to watch this. I can't bear the thought of watching this great FA Cup final you know, on television and not being there. Really? It's your team. Mm. You know, you can't help it. You cannot change it. it. Much as it disappoints you, surely you want to watch your team. I found that absolutely extraordinary um, that people... I mean, I, I was really looking forward to seeing it because I've accepted that you can't get into the ground. So what? Okay, watch on the telly box. I don't, I don't sort of quite see the reasoning there. I know people are sad. But surely, are you sad enough not not to actually watch the game itself? Just because you can't go in? This is the same for everyone. You know, I think there's almost a bit of a lost sight of the reason why this is all happening. And, you know, I know you as a, as a journalist and as a Norwich City fan, it would have been a great moment in your career. One of many where you'll say, yeah, I was at Wembley when Norwich played Chelsea in the semi-finals. Or I was at Wembley when they played another team in the final itself. But, you know, these are the circumstances we were in. You, you, you can't change it. So let's just say, ah, oh, I was at Wembley when it was empty and Norwich got there. But they got there. As a team, they did it. Because it depends what you think the, 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 the influence of fans is on their team. And I think that's been over-egged in the last few days, the, the influence of fans on teams. I don't, I, don't, I don't buy a lot of what I've heard. I think, I think it's... It's the old uh, cliche about footballer getting better when he's not in the team. I think the fans have suddenly got a lot better when they're not in the stadium. I really do. I, I'm quite convinced this is true, that people are over-egging the influence of themselves, usually. Yeah, well, yeah, the influence of a crowd and home advantage and stuff, it, you know, it shouldn't make much of a difference, should it? Like, you know, on referees, you know, they talk about it maybe just making a 1% or 2% difference on a referee's decisions over the course of a game, but that shouldn't matter, should it? And That's probably um, one decision. Yeah, exactly. And, and again, it's a sort of chicken and egg situation, isn't mm. it? So, yeah. Connor, I, uh, by the way, both of you, when you talk about how many shots are on target... Um, and you're quite right to point out, you know, quick-fire shots. It's how many that Tim Krull had to deal with, isn't it? Because some of the defensive work there was tremendous. I think Kenny McLean threw everything he had in front of a ball. Alex Teddy, everything seemed to hit him. Um, that was really good defensive work. And I would imagine mentally having that thrown at you all the time. And you look up and there's Paul Pogba, you know, having a whack at goal. And, and Harry Maguire and whoever else you want to mention it can be quite stressful. But I, I thought mentally they cope with things well and they cope with those constant attacks very well. Oh, there you go. Yeah, that, there was a moment in the, uh, I think it was in the second half, late in the second half, when Buendia was sort of the wrong side of Pogba and Pogba streaked away from him in a counter-attack and Emmy just was knackered and couldn't keep up with him and I felt a bit Paul, sorry for him. There, Paul Pogba's so. quite deceptive, isn't he? Because he's got a loping style, but once he wants to get away from you, he gets away. Oh yeah, you know, he, some he of the stuff be, he can do is stupid. <laughs> he seems to be under more scrutiny than anyone because he he's capable of such great things. And mm. um, but anyway, 
Um, yeah, sorry. <laughs> let's, let's sort of take a step back uh, and go back to the, the changes. United made eight changes, so that obviously had a, a big bearing as we went into the game, Connor. But um, Daniel tweaked the formation and it, and it worked quite nicely, didn't it? Yeah, I, I think how many times have we sort of spoken in these post-match sort of pods about a lack of balance and about a lack of sort of defensive structure at times? Well, I, I thought they had both of those things, actually. I think they were very balanced. And they did have structure and um, they, they didn't look like they had the soft centre that we saw against Everton or against Southampton. And um, I, I thought that, that three-man sort of condensed midfield worked really well. It, it restricted the space that Bruno Fernandes, who, who looks a, a wonderful talent, um, had. And I, I think the biggest credit you can give to Norwich is that we saw Rashford and we saw Pogba and we saw Martial come on um, later in, in, in sort of the later stages of the game. But I don't think it, particularly raised the, re- the level of United's performance particularly. Um, I, it kind of felt like um, they, were, they were sort of operating in the same gear throughout. And OK, yeah, they, they won the game and, and they had the quality to win the game. But Norwich ran them close and very nearly took them to penalties. And I think Tim Krull probably would have fancied himself had, had um, <laughs> it, it have gone to penalties. Um, and, and yeah, I, I just thought it was a lot better. It made, it made a lot more sense. It was set up to counter-attack. It was set up to restrict the space they gave United in, in their own half. They, they allowed Manchester United the ball, which we haven't seen a lot. Often there's this, maybe fixation's a bit harsh, but there's this, this will to sort of dominate possession. And it kind of felt like they conceded that and, and they gave United respect to have the ball and probably were aware that actually they were going to have, it was going to be about their effectiveness in possession rather than how much possession they had. And, um, and I think we, we definitely saw that. And then allowing Buendia and, and Campwell the space to, to advance and Puki and, Rupp obviously joined them as well and it, it just felt like they moved up the pitch a bit more cohesively than we've seen and a bit less in sort of um, individuals going forward. They, they kind of felt like a collective and, and the fullbacks again were very good. So there was a, there was a lot to admire actually about their their approach. I mean, uh, Lucas Rupp is, is, is one who I think showed glimpses, but perhaps not in... Um, like a, a, a layman's way, I guess. It was more the way he covered gaps and um, tracked runs and, and again offered them a bit more structure on the right when Buendia did push forward and did advance and, and that gave them a bit, a bit more protection. And it, it was just very cohesive, very structured and very balanced. And that is so much of what we haven't seen for, for a lot of this season. I, I think probably December is, is really the only month I look back on and think, yeah, Norwich had a pretty settled 11 there and probably should have got more points, had luck and certain things gone their way. And this performance for me has to be used now as a template to take forward. But of course, suddenly Tim Closer gets sent off and Alex Tate is going to have to go to centre-back and Lucas Rook might have an injury. And so this gets ripped up immediately. It's kind of the, the way their season's gone, isn't it? You, you have something positive and then it kind of feels like they have to go away from that straight away. But um, yeah, certainly a template and certainly a formation that I think they have to carry into the remaining games and, and an approach as well, because we've, we've heard Daniel say multiple times, perhaps uh, admit almost that, that they're probably not good enough to, to dominate games at this level. It's, it's going to be about how effective they are on the ball and, and in those moments where they do get those opportunities and, and this formation and this approach felt sort of a bit more tailored to that than what we have seen under under Daniel Farker but with the fundamentals that they do want to keep the ball on the floor and they do want to play. Yeah, I think it was probably Rupp's best performance so far. I mean, he, he was all right at Tottenham uh, in the league, wasn't he? He went close with a couple of chances. Um, Burnley in the FA Cup at um, fourth round, he did quite well there. But he was he was sort of like, uh, the cover man for Buendia, wasn't he? That little bit of security and that that seemed to work. But I think overall, beyond the sort of tactical tweet, because, I mean, 
a four-five-one can ease. There's not much difference between a four-one-four-one or even a four-three-three, isn't it? So I guess the semantics of what the exact formation is, we don't need to get tied up in too much. And as Daniel talked about recently, that they do move within, don't they? So mm. it changes in and out of possession. But um, the, the bigger thing for me was it was it felt like um, an acceptance for maybe one of the first times of yes, we are a team in the bottom three, have been in the bottom three all season. Um, we have got injury problems. We've got to become a defensive team. We've got to become solid to beat if we're going to have any chance of staying in this game. And I think maybe the the ambition of being a good team and of being a team that won the title in style last year, of having all that attacking asset, maybe has just lingered on a little bit too long and they needed to just accept where they are a little bit more. And Chris, were you, were you pleased to see that they were they had that better defensive intention and just just battling intention I suppose yeah I think it was good discipline I think Rupp was the perfect example of really good discipline um they were they looked like a team that were told what was needed and they did it rather than straying off off the path that had been set to them at kickoff they they did their job and Rupp if I think he's the sort of player that that, that you appreciate more when you, you look back at a performance or if you study him throughout a performance because there is nothing that, that raises your eyebrows about his game no. until you look back afterwards and see it's the effect it had. And I'm not going to say it's going to do it every game, but that if he played like that every game, he would be a very, very good asset for Norwich City. Um, you know, if he can, fantastic. But I think that that, that discipline was also evident in other parts of the, the, the pitch. Um, the, the, you know, seeing Todd Cantwell play a slightly different role, I, I do think he's very creative. And I do think Buendia is very creative. I, I thought Buendia had a better game than people gave him credit for. Um, although I'd just wipe out a bit about where he uh, helped concede the goal, as it were, the involvement in the Manchester United uh, first goal. Yeah, it, it was first bad goal? and good there from him, wasn't there? Yeah, yeah. Um, the, the, the concern I have is probably everybody's concern, is that Timu Puki is nowhere near the player he used to be. Um, and I don't think that's a fault of his. I think that's a fault of his toe, possibly. Um, because since he had the problem, he doesn't appear to be the same player. I feel really sorry for him because he's, he's a genuinely honest footballer um, who, who you know wants to be doing something and it's just not coming to him. I, I, he's Norwich's best chance, best attacking chance of scoring at the moment probably the best chance of scoring is Todd Camwell. Uh, and that shouldn't be the case. We should all say Pookie. And it's just, it, it's just not clicking for Timu Pookie, which is a real shame because he's, he's, he's running, he's, he's fantastic. He, he's, he's a very, very accomplished footballer. If he could have come back to Project Restart after three months off and clicked, and after the toe injury, you'd, I think Norwich would be in a much better position. But they're sort of one huge component short, aren't they? You know, if you want to divide your, your, your pitch up into three parts, he's a major focal point of one third of their play, and it, it, he's not playing. Yeah, I, I, it was almost the wrong way round, wasn't it? Almost they needed Dermot from the start. That would have suited the more defensive setup, and you know, holding the ball up a bit more, showing that little bit of strength. Good shout, yeah, yeah, as he did when he came on. But he got that knock against Everton, didn't he? And yeah, he, yeah. He, um, I don't, we weren't really expecting to see him um, on Saturday, and he was. Um, I, running up and down the stair, uh, steps in the city stand, like Rocky Balboa style, warming up. So 
whether that was stretching out a hamstring. Or I thought he dropped his Maltesers. <laughs> yeah, he was. <laughs> but then he came on and he made an impact. So if, because when he came on and Hernandez had already come on for Rupp, so Campbell then almost, they changed like a 4 4 one, one didn't they? And Campbell yeah. was almost like a support striker. And then Dermich was much more involved. And if that could have been Pucky coming on to link with Campwell, then that might have worked better. But I guess they were they were restricted in, in that a little bit. But yeah, I, I think confidence is, is the big thing for team. It always is with strikers, isn't it? They look different players when they haven't got the confidence flowing through them, which he, he has had for years up to up to this last sort of six months or so. So yeah, um, I think I'd probably have Dermich starting at, um, at Arsenal on Wednesday um, with, with Pucky to come on. Maybe different when they, they, they've got that more favourable run of results. Um, Can I put my hand up and ask a question? Yeah. Do you think there is a role for, for Ida at all? Or was that was uh, it too big an ask? Or is his style of play probably not suited to it? I uh, don't it, think it, he's um, really got the experience and the strength to be holding the ball up too much. I mean, he's got uh, the physicality. But we've got to remember the lad's still, what, 19? He's not played much football. Um, it's just a thought. That was all. I'm not sort of putting it forward. I'm just wondering, you know, if he has a role, something a bit different. Youthful enthusiasm, things like that. Yeah, but I think he's more about running onto the ball. Um, the 4-0 uh, defeat at United at Old Trafford when he had to start yeah, yeah. because of the injuries after the uh, after he'd scored his hat-trick at Preston, yeah. of course. Norwich used him badly that day in that they tried to use him like a target man. Yeah. And it, it it didn't work at all. He couldn't make the ball stick against Maguire. He needs to be running in behind a bit like Pookie, I think. So for me, I, I mean, Dermich doesn't really 100% fit that sort of centre-forward role. Um, but he's probably the, the best of the of the three options at playing yeah. that um, sort of style. Um, let's talk about the real good point of the game then. Um, and an, an absolute absolutely cracking goal from from Todd Campwell um seventh of the season and I was just just thinking while you were talking there Chris I wonder how many um goals Wes Houlihan managed in um Premier League season his his best Premier League season which was four in 2011-12 and 2015-16 so four yeah in in an individual season um from Wes and if you remember in in pre-season ahead of this year Todd took on the number 14, didn't he? And yeah, interviewed yeah. him interviewed him in Germany and he said that he wanted to do Wes Proud. He's now scored more three more goals in a season than Wes managed in his attempts. I mean, that puts it into you know quite a a, a fine comparison and and what a strike it was, Connor. Oh, it was, it was a wonderful strike. Yeah, and he has He's been a joy to watch this season, actually, and, and just to watch his development and how he's grown into life in the Premier League has, has been an absolute joy. Obviously, you've got the whole narrative there of him being a local lad and perhaps his, his experiences last year and the knocks he took, particularly from, from supporters and some of it justified, some of it definitely not, um, has, has moulded him into a better player. And I think Norwich are reaping the, the rewards for that. But they, they kind of seems to have been a switch in mentality from perhaps... And Stuart Webber likes the phrase, um, ignore the noise, doesn't it? It kind of feels like he's really done that this season and he's knuckled down and individually his, his mindset's just changed perhaps a little bit from allowing that criticism to, to seep in a little bit to actually neglecting it and, and having a real self-confidence. And um, he's been a, a, an absolute joy. I think he's, in, in terms of attacking output, so much gets put onto Emi Buendia and, and perhaps his, his 
um, brilliance at times, but there is equally a, a lot of stuff with, with Buendia that, that he does need to work on and, and does need to improve on. But Cantwell, for me, needs to be mentioned in, in the same breath because I think in terms of actual output, in terms of what Murray City have gotten out of him, in terms of goals, and equally in terms of what he offers them in the final third, I think he's, he's very, very good. And he's, he's still got a, lot, a, a long way to go. And it's not me saying immediately that he's, he's ready for a move to a, a top six, a six club because I think far from it because this is just one good season in the Premier League and we've seen so many players have them and then drop off the radar. So for me, there's still work to be done with him personally um, and, and his development, but you, you can only speak on what we've seen this season and, and he's been he's been excellent and, and really good. And, and I think you have to give credit to Norwich City's coaching staff as well because they, they feel like they've coached him into a more rounded player. There was obviously perhaps a little bit of concern in his in his younger days that he wouldn't be physically capable to to play perhaps in the professional game. I think he's proven now and he's used his body in a way that makes him, um, well, essentially gets him fouled quite a lot, which which is positive. He's using his body in a way that perhaps doesn't necessarily require that strength. And if you look at him, he's quite a an awkward sort of attacking midfielder because he's 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 quite he's, well he's not the tallest but he's certainly taller than than say Buendia or these small technical players with a low centre of gravity and yet he still does have that agility to get past people and to influence games and technically he's very very good so it's been a really good year for him actually and and I mean that statistic there about seven goals is highlights it but I think overall in in his general game I think if if we compare the top Campwell that we, we're seeing now to the player who perhaps was, was in and out of the championship last year. It's, it's chalk and cheese, really. I think he's been excellent. And um, Daniel Parker deserves a lot of credit because I think quite easily they, they could have sent him out on loan this year to a championship club and actually stuck with him and showed confidence. And um, Todd Cantwell has, has, has sort of um, has repaid him in, in that sense, I guess. And yeah, there's, there's still so much more to do with Todd. And I think that's, that's probably what makes it very exciting. But for me, he, he deserves to be mentioned in the same breath and given the same praise that, that we've seen Emi Buendia get, certainly externally, I think. Yeah, I think he's, he's matured into a man this year. I think yeah. uh, through everything that he's been through, he really is fulfilling it a little bit now. And during the second half, we saw him more in a central role, which is where he played a lot of his academy football, when, which I watched a lot of when he was coming through for the 23s and, and playing youth cup football and stuff. And that's where he really wants to be. But um, I asked him a bit about that after the game and he, he agreed that that is where he really wants to be. But you know, he pointed out that although him and Emmy were the wingers uh, technically in that formation, they both obviously drift central and they're looking for that space. That's where they want to be doing their work, isn't it? So, but, but the one thing I thought Todd did better than Emmy on, on Saturday was he held his position better. And there was, um, there was a couple of moments where we were sat near the halfway line, wasn't there? And where you could sort of see across that midfield line when they are out of possession. And Buendia was still leaving a gap there, but Todd had worked hard to get back and, and cover Lewis quickly. So, I think it's discipline, I think, isn't it? In terms, in, just just in in wide areas, he seems to be a bit more switched on to his defensive responsibilities, and he doesn't seem to get perhaps over, maybe overexcited is the word. Um, and he, he, if he does lose the ball, there does seem to be a willingness to track back as well. And and that's that's what you want to see from a young player is is those qualities that actually they're aware and switched on to what they have to do off the ball as as well as being this um, this excellent player on it because. Norwich can't afford really to, to carry players like that who, who aren't willing to, to be defensively switched on and, and work out of possession, particularly at the moment. And he is showing that he's, he's as good in the defensive or as crucial in the defensive shape as he is going forward. And um, that's, that's a credit to him, really, because I think we've, we've seen him really improve off the ball as well as on it. So, um, yeah, you have to give so much credit. And I think you're spot on. Yeah, he has become more of a man this year. And 
he, he just seems like a different footballer. And whether that's, as, as you alluded to earlier, a confidence thing, whether that's things that have been worked on the training ground, I'm not sure. But Norwich is certainly reaping the, the rewards for, for the trust they've shown in him, I guess, this season. He said, when I spoke to him after the game, he, he admitted that um, he hadn't been great against Southampton, so could sort of see why um, Daniel had, had dropped him out of the starting lineup at the weekend. But he said he played with a, a knife between his teeth um, to, to win his, uh, to try and win back Daniel's trust once he was back in that starting eleven. And um, I think he did that, although he did have to come off just after uh, Closer was sent off um, because, um, well, he said it was a little bit of cramp. Daniel said it was a... He probably cut cramp. his mouth with that knife. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, we'll have to see if he's all right for, to start again at Arsenal. Um, Hernandez came on and again was bright, wasn't he? So at least there is some options on, on the left. Mm. Um, but yeah, Chris, the, um, the goal, firstly, and also Tim, Tim Krull, what, what a performance from him. Well, the goal, lovely. And I take your point, he's, he's grown up, but I tell you what, he's got, uh, this is Todd Campbell, he's got a lovely bit of arrogance about him as well. The keepy up is before taking a spot kick at Tottenham. <laughs> Put yourself up in uh, social media headlights whenever you fancy a game of online football. I, I think he's, uh, yeah, I, th- I think he's a clever young man. The yeah, goal was beautiful, game. beautiful. He did have a, a lot of space, but um, it did move. I, again, just going, harking back to the couch potato stuff, I don't think he got quite as much credit for the goal, uh, there was some suggestion that uh, the goalkeeper should have got it, but it was moving away. And that was totally wrong. Because yeah, he, he, he I think they called hard. that poorly. And that ball kept just moving away from him. Yeah. Um, he but cut really across good. it, didn't he? He cut across the yeah, ball. Yeah, swerved, yeah, yeah. He, swerved, he almost used the defender to block the keeper's view. Absolutely. Very clever piece of football. And at the other end, Krull. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what you say about this bloke. Um, I think everybody piles the responsibility on him because they know he's going to, to respond. I think that he's clearly disappointed that Norwich City lost, but I bet you he was dying to get into a, a penalty shootout. Oh, yeah, he was. Because you do know against Manchester United, of course, he's allowed to stand on the six-yard line for penalties, <laughs> as Oli Gunnar Solskjaer pointed out before. Um, but I, I think he'd have fancied himself. He's He's goalkeepers have to have this streak in them you know we all know they've got something a bit different and I, I think that is true and Krull's like that and Krull would love a challenge um, but he threw himself around really well he had no chance with a Gallo's goal you know that, that could have gone anywhere again another great commentary line that the commentator said he was aiming aiming at Krull what a great effort well if he was aiming at him he put it over him so it wasn't a particularly great effort and why would you aim at a goalkeeper I'm getting less enamoured with the BBC commentary than I was before. Um, well, that, there was a big uh, bit of luck with that as well, wasn't there? Because Closer was yeah. at the corner and managed to knock it over his head. Yeah, I mean, it was all a couple of goals that were... I don't think there were too much wrong with City, except it was a, all a little bit unfortunate. You know, the winner was Harry Maguire. Didn't expect that ball to come to him. Ben Godfrey didn't expect it to ping off him. Um you know, nothing cruel could have done with either goal. But yeah, the the, the save, uh, who was it from? Down really low to his left. Was that a Maguire header? That was a Gallo. Oh, no, sorry. Yes, I'm with you. Yeah. Maguire to his yeah. left. Yeah, terrific. Really good. And he, he does command his box and he's he's very good. And what I think he's good at, as soon as he gets positions, possession of the ball, he's very, very quick to see who can take the ball on. Really, really quick. He knows where he's going to put that ball. So they're back in possession and moving upfield. 
Um, a lot to like about Tim Krull. Real good Norwich City leader. Nailed what, on what? player of the season. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, absolutely. And cool. what, what, what I would add on, on Tim Cruel is that, that so much has been made of if Norwich get relegated about which young player is, is going to leave first, essentially. But I think if, if Norwich keep on keep hold of Tim Krul, they'd have done really, really well because he's mm. had a, a tremendous season. He's only 32, which in goalkeeping terms probably means he's obviously dependent on injuries, could have another another five years ahead of him, really. And yeah. we, we spoke about Todd Campwell's resurgence. There's a man who has, who's really shown himself um, or, or the best of himself in the Premier League. He's, he's been wonderful for Norwich City this season. And um, yeah, as, as you say, Dave, for me, richly deserving of, of, of the, the, the Player of the Season award. I, th- I think he's a, a front-runner now, really, after Pukki's dropped off in, in the second half of the season. But just some, some wonderful saves. But, it, but it's not just his saves. He's an all-round presence. He's a wonderful all-round goalkeeper. And Chris alluded to it there in the way he commands his box, the way he organises, the way he leads mm. what is a fairly young back four at times is, is excellent. And he's got all the components, I think, of a, of a Premier League goalkeeper. And um, if, if Norwich do go down and they keep hold of Tim Krul, then I think they'll have done very, very well. Well, Krul has also got um, international um, hopes again. He, yeah. he got back into the picture, didn't he? And with the Euros postponed for a year. Yeah, yeah. He, he was back in the squad before the season was suspended, wasn't he? So, yeah, so he'd have that. Un- that it's, I don't know. Certain managers say, right, if you're not in the top flight, I'm not considering you. So he might not be involved if he's in the championship. So he, probably shouldn't talk negatively about Tim Krull having bigged him up. <laughs> he's, um, he's a proper number one and Norwich fans love him don't they because he bosses the defence around his outfield players around he desperately wants to win well, Norwich fans always seem to love a keeper you know they've had some real love affairs with Keelan and Gunny uh, it, it, I don't know John Ruddy was sort of hugely popular but not in the same sort of way I don't think but but yeah uh, Krull is really popular with them really really popular so it's good news good news things, things tailed off a little bit for Ruddy didn't they and actually I was, I was looking back um, if he wins player of the season a keeper hasn't won it since Andy Marshall in 2001 so not Ruddy I was just thinking that I thought it was probably Robert Green he must have been in the top three at some point I would have thought but um, so the only keepers who have won it are Marshall, Gunn, Chris Woods and Kevin Keelan won it a couple of times. Gunny won it a couple of times as well. So, um, it's not a bad little set of goalkeepers, that. <laughs> no, exactly. Not at all. Um, but we saw Tim walk off. I'm not sure if it was shown in the TV pictures. And he pretty much walked straight for the tunnel. You know, he, he was still um, fist bumping with players as he walked past them. And, but you could see in his face, he was so disappointed to have missed out on the shootout because he did brilliantly against Tottenham in the last round. You know, he's got that history at the World Cup with Holland, isn't he? When he mm. was brought on by, by Van Gaal and he could smell his big moment again, couldn't he? Mm. Save the two penalties against United in the Carrow League game from, from Rashford and Martial. And someone asked me about his future during the game, on, in, uh, during the updates at thinking.com. And I think with Tim, he 
I could see him staying with Norwich potentially, even if they go down. But it would depend on who came in for him. I don't think he would leave to join a Chelsea or someone like that to be their number two. I don't mm. think that would be because he, after his injury, he values playing too highly. He he likes playing for Norwich City. He likes playing for Daniel Farker, and Norwich would have a real job on their hands replacing someone who's who can fit into their team with the kicking game in the way that it took you know it took Crawl that a few yeah. months to get on top of. But now there was evidence of it on Saturday that he is he's really good at that side of the game. So. You know, if if a, say um, a Bournemouth or who knows, maybe even a Newcastle came back in for him um, and said, "We want you as our number one in the Premier League," that's difficult for him to turn down. But I don't think it's um, I don't think it's a certainty that he goes in the summer. But let's see. Let's let's hope that they've at least um, put in a, a show of enough fight that we don't have to talk about the Championship prospect uh, at least for another couple of weeks because after the Everton game everyone was right down in the dumps weren't they and and when we did the Q&A on Monday was it Connor everyone was just like oh so which kids are going to be coming through in the championship and stuff at least we can part that a little bit um for now um because um while this has been going on um Connor if I come to you on this um you know Watford lost again on Sunday Villa lost on Saturday none of Norwich's rivals have, have won yet so they sh- they should we thought they'd be dead and buried quite quickly after the two defeats, didn't we? But they're still only six points adrift. It, it is still mathematically well in hand. Sort of. Yeah, and I, I can imagine. I can, I can, yeah, it's, it's bonkers, isn't it, that, that we're even saying that, really. Um, and there's there's two points I'd, I'd make to this, really. One is probably the, the disappointment from their perspective that they didn't make more of an impact in, in those opening two games. But equally, you look at those two home games coming up against Brighton and West Ham, and if Norwich find themselves in the same situation after that Arsenal game, and again, of course, they could go and, and, and get a result there, um, which would give them massive, massive um, confidence. But I would suggest probably the performance is more important than the result at the Emirates. And, and for them to back up this United result with something in the Premier League. Um, but if they can get into those two home games and they're still six points adrift, then I, I think they will still see that as a massive opportunity and supporters will as well. And this is this is it about the restart is that no team has really sort certainly from um it, within that that sort of relegation battle if you like no one's really stepped up perhaps with the exception of brighton who've probably moved yeah. themselves out of it slightly um have, have really pushed on and, and made a claim for themselves it's still probably um five teams capable of, of of getting relegated back to the championship and norwich the likelihood says that they will be in those three, but they still have to keep working and keep fighting on the on the basis that they can get themselves out of it. And um, it's it's really difficult because the confidence is low, but but equally they need the performances to be there. And for me, that that's the major thing now because I think probably if we if we're putting on our realistic hats, it, it probably indicates that Norwich City will return to the Championship. But for me, if they can get the performances right and in the in the same way as they did against United, that they can extract confidence from them and they can prove themselves as being competitive at this level, um, then I think that that is not that there's a particularly positive way to go down, but that's the way you would like them to get relegated um, in, in a way that shows probably their best face and, and gives them some momentum for next season and, and to view this period as an extended pre-season, really. Um, but yeah, if, if they get to those two home games, Brighton and West Ham, and they're six points adrift, then why not? They've, they've got still the, the same chances they had albeit with less games um, when, when those fixtures um, roll about. So they, they've got to believe, the players have got to believe and 
um, they need to give the re- the supporters reason to believe as well. And, and I guess that starts with Arsenal later this week. But that's that's going to be incredibly a, an incredibly difficult fixture when you look at some of the attacking firepower that that they possess. Yeah. Now I know we're clutching at straws here. That's uh, <laughs> that's the thing. I was going to say, are we are we ever waiting a special delivery in a very large straw? <laughs> but that's the situation we're in, aren't we? So uh, just to look at the other fixtures, um, yeah, as we said, Brighton uh, are probably safe. Well, certainly Brighton are out of reach of Norwich, at least. Um, they're at home to Man United on Tuesday. Um, Norwich playing that game in hand at Arsenal on Wednesday night, which for me, I, I, you know, if they get a point out of it, brilliant. But I don't think that game is now going to, even though it's the game in hand, that's not what's going to shape the possible great escape for Norwich. You know, clearly, if they go and pull off something miraculous and win at Arsenal on Wednesday, then they are firmly back in it. Um, but is David else? Louise playing for Arsenal? Uh, let's hope so. Because <laughs> I'll put Eda in. <laughs> I'll put you in, Dave. <laughs> um, Bournemouth are at home to Newcastle on Wednesday. West Ham are at home to Chelsea. So you would like to think that um, West Ham won't get anything. Uh, don't know with Bournemouth. Um, and then Newcastle um, didn't show up in the cup yesterday, though. They didn't, but they played well in the game before that. Didn't they? Yeah, they did. Yeah, true. And then Norwich kick off the whole weekend with that twelve thirty against Brighton. So if 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 they were to get that win and pile on the pressure ahead of the weekend, Watford are at Chelsea, Bournemouth are at Manchester United, West Ham are at Newcastle, and Villa are at Liverpool. So it's a massive, massive yeah. if we're painting here. We know that yeah. well aware of draw clutching being uh, attempted here. But Chris, it, it's not over yet, is it? No, it's not. But you know, you you, you have to look at the 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 reason why Norwich are bottom of the table because they're not as good as all the teams above them. It's quite simple, and the chances of them winning uh, any of the remain any of the remaining matches aren't particularly good. Um, so you just have to hope that they can be uh, as surprising as they were on Saturday, I guess, and pull out a, a performance. So I agree with you about Arsenal. That's not one where you would probably budget uh, for anything. But where Arsenal ninth in the table, something yeah, like that. A couple of good results, haven't they? Obviously, they beat Sheffield United in the cup. But did they not lose their first two back games back? I think they lost. They did the first two games and beat. City, did they it? beat Man? Did they Man beat City Southampton? Brighton. Man City, Brighton, yeah, and then beat Southampton, didn't they? Southampton, yeah. and, and they're a funny old side. I mean, ninth in the table, not got much going for them at the moment. David Luiz has just got a new contract. Yeah, you know, uh, uh, funny side. Anything could happen there. Um, but yeah, then then you turn around and say, right, Brighton, who have pulled away a little bit and done really well on the on on restart. You know, that's a game where you'd say, right, we, we have to budget for getting a win there. It's going to be really hard because they've, they've done all right. But no, it's not all over. But, oh, dear me, you know what it's like because you, you're all common sense goes out of the window and you build your hopes up and you build your hopes up. Um, as, I don't know, I'm going to admit it, I did before um, the Southampton game. I thought they were very winnable games. And, you know, it was over the top of a cliff. It all came crashing down. Funnily enough, I was absolutely, totally convinced they were going to get walloped on Saturday. And I was getting the egg out ready to plaster all over my face um, uh, until Harry Maguire almost saved the old omelette job. But uh, they're, they're not to be trusted, Norwich City, which is probably a good thing because they might then go to Arsenal and get a win. It, they're, they're, 
I don't know what they're going to take from uh, from uh, the, the Manchester United game into this. I would hope that they take some inspiration. But of course, they take a massive knock because of, of what Tim Closer did. That's sort of the elephant in the room at the moment. Uh, I, I, I thought he made a bad uh, error of judgment there. Yeah, But he's got a split second to think about it. I didn't. I had loads of time afterwards. So he did what he did. You know, can't be helped. I think it's Godfrey's but, fault, really. He he missed the tackle. Yeah. And there's to start with that back heel come through. And I think Tim takes one for the team because it's yeah. so close to full time just to keep things alive to go into extra time. You see, I thought the opposite way. I thought because it was so close to full time, be careful. Um, there's no, I mean, Igalo turns, he's got Tim, Tim Krull to beat. Yeah. Um, okay, he's, the odds are stacked in his favour, but an experienced defender. For, you know it's going to be trouble. Uh, He's another one who, after that, you know, he looked so yeah. upset by that because he yeah. knew that was a big blow. He knew that, um, yeah, that does mean he misses the Arsenal game if Norwich had gone on to win. Does he, he miss missed, one? Just one game, is it? Just, just one game, yeah. It's, okay. um, it's, um, it's not it's foul, foul conduct, play, is it? it? Well, for, yeah, for yeah. Um, <laughs> that wasn't quite serious foul play. He got kippered. Yeah, um, you know, you get one game for a kipper. He would have missed the semi-final if Norwich had gone through. So, um, because they are competition competition specific, but because Norwich had gone out, that now needs to be served um, straight away in the league. If you remember, um, a Watford what a player, rotten rule that is. Well, a Watford player on the final day of the Premier League season last year got sent off. I can't remember which one it was. Uh, yes, Olabas maybe, and he then had to miss the yeah. FA Cup final at Wembley. Yeah. So, it does get a little bit um, complicated in that. But Tim Closer was at full time, um, sort of stood next to the tunnel, and he almost looked like yeah. he was apologising to Yeah, he did, didn't teammates. he? Yeah. Um, and he did put a little apology out on Instagram as well afterwards. But um, I don't think they'll blame him too much. But obviously, it doesn't, doesn't help for that Arsenal game. But um, thankfully, he will be back for that. That run of, of, well, I mean, that could end up being, who knows, what, what a story it would be if, if it came to pass. The, the chance of it's obviously seemed slim, but, you know, Brian at home on the Saturday, Watford away on the Tuesday, <laughs> and West Ham at home on the Saturday. That is... Dave, the journalist in you is running away with this. <laughs> <laughs> of course. As I say, it's, it's incredibly unlikely, but that week offers the opportunity for something special to happen. So yeah. it's still there. From true crime to football, Brexit to folklore. For more great podcasts from Archant, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archant. Otherwise, Connor, there's um, there's a bit of trouble brewing at Watford, isn't there? Um, in terms <laughs> of um, three of their players um, deciding to go to Andre Gray's birthday party with a load of people. And, and I think they may have caused Nigel Pearson a rather big problem at a rather unfortunate time. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think it's um, it's farcical, really, to to contemplate what what they've done in in the situation Watford are in. Given that the Watford, like similar to to most teams at the bottom of the table at the moment, don't look like they can buy a win. And we can we can talk about Aston Villa and, and for, certainly throw those in or them into, into that category. Um, it's it's just it's very strange um, to to. And, and probably an unwanted distraction, really, for Nigel Pearson. I guess the test now is is how they and he responds to that, because it's essentially um, 
probably the the biggest challenge he's had in in getting them on board since since he arrived at the club. And you have to say he's he's done a fairly decent job at turning around what looks like a, a pretty sunken ship, um, and and it has got them again mainly through just organising them defensively, um, as as seem to go, sort of get their heads back above water and. Uh, you don't want as a coach or a manager a distraction beyond that because it takes the focus off the football pitch and then you suddenly have internal dealings to deal with. You have players perhaps blaming each other and the environment sort of spirals. Now, from a Norwich City perspective, that's exactly what you want at this moment in time. And that's you want as much as that within your rivals as humanly possible. But it doesn't have a great image for football, particularly when it's been pushed so much to have a restart and there's this constant testing and the constant, um, obviously the social distance and stuff we see on the benches and perhaps stressing the importance of that. It should be leading as an example. And um, we can throw Jack Grealish's behaviour in, in lockdown with, with this as well, I, I guess. Um, and it's, it seems to be that there's a, a minority still who, who don't understand the restrictions that everyone's going to have to go through. And forget the footballing aspect of it. There, there are going to be a lot of Watford fans and, and Norwich fans mm. and Premier League fans generally you're going to look at this again and, and probably look at it and say, well, it's one, it's one rule for them and, and another for us. And I think whenever you create that, you, you distance your supporters a little bit again. So it's it's going to be really interesting to see how they play this out and how they resolve it. Um, Nigel Pearson, to me, doesn't look like someone who's going to take any nonsense. So, <laughs> he's not going um, to put his head in the sand, is he? No, no, he's not. He's certainly not an ostrich. Um, so... Um, <laughs> We can probably expect those three players to, to have the book thrown at them somewhat. and um, But yeah, whether we'll see them for the remainder of the season or not remains to be seen, but it's certainly something that Watford won't want. And from Norwich's perspective, they'll want it to carry on until they play them, essentially, won't they? So um, we'll, we'll see how that all, how all that pans out. But uh, yeah, certainly not a good look for, for Watford, I don't think. It doesn't help as well when Troy Deeney was so vocal. Yeah, good point. Uh, yeah, you'd be furious. You, yeah. You know, Troy Deeney will probably have them up against a wall because he's <laughs> he's I mean, in the nicest possible way. Because you know, they've really let him down as well. And he's yeah. sort of the face of Watford Football Club. Um and I think you're absolutely right, Connor. It's it's not just the the, the football sense, it's the societal sense that that these guys who should, you know, uh, uh, involved in a sport which against the odds came back and, and to some normality before the rest of us did, have gone and done this. It's, it's just ludicrous. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if you just don't see him play for Watford again. Yeah, I, I, I think, think it's so. that bad. They, they may well have voided their contracts or something. And it's such an, they've undermined the club so badly. I mean, they've done a Dominic Cummings, haven't they? <laughs> yes, they were just testing their eyesight. Yeah, um, the Adrian Mariapa ha- was diagnosed. With co- um, um, he, he had a positive test, wasn't he, for coronavirus? And two of mm. their off-field staff also had it. That was mm. sort of earlier in all the testing. So that's really put them front and centre of this. And um, the full story is at our website. And um, Nigel Pearson refused to talk about it after the three-one loss to Southampton. But the Sun basically spotted pictures on and- Andre Gray's Instagram um, of a party at his house for his birthday on uh, Thursday or Friday where they estimated there was about 20 people there. Of course, the regulation at the moment, you should only be outside with a maximum of six people. And uh, Nathaniel Shalabar and uh, Quina, uh, who's not a player, he's only a young Portuguese midfielder who I didn't really know much about. He's not been playing anyway. But they were both there. And Watford, ahead of the game, said that um, it was because of health and safety reasons that they wouldn't be involved in that game. So that's not remotely helpful for... um, (laughs) 
Bernardo. But Nigel Pearson being cooperative with journalists again is fantastic, isn't it? He is um, very short with his words. I remember being at a press conference when he was in charge of Hull when I was covering Scunthorpe, and uh, that's a local derby, of course, Humber Derby, and Scunny won under Nigel Adkins at the KC Stadium, and he was um, not very nice to anyone in that room, I can assure you. <laughs> um, he was um, he was pretty foul. Um, yeah, no surprise there. But he, he always doesn't say uh, much in his press conferences, does he? He's sort of a man of a, a few words, quite a, uh, mm. a hard man almost, but... Um, yeah, so that that helps from a Norwich point of view that one of the rivals at least has, has got a bit of trouble. But um... I was just thinking there in terms of what you said, the, the health and safety reasons. Presumably now they have to what self isolate. That's not clear yet, but yeah, it's quite possible, isn't it? Um, they've been caught out to to an extent, haven't they? If Watford do the right thing, they should force them into seven days away. I, I think. Yeah. You know, if, if, if I mean, they haven't tested positive, have they? So, therefore, under Premier League rules, wouldn't have to. I think well, Watford I, I, should I, just suspend them for seven days. Huh? Yeah, I, I guess they'll be out until the next round of Premier League testing, won't they? It would, would be my guess, probably. Yeah, well, we'll see how that one develops. But um, certainly an interesting one. Adds, adds a little bit of drama to it all, doesn't it? And hmm. always rely on footballers for... Uh, for that, um, I think that's all the issues covered, fellas. Thanks, um, thanks very much. Thank you very much for listening. Um, if you don't already subscribe to the show, then please, um, please do. Any ratings or reviews are uh, very much appreciated. And you can get in contact with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Uh, you can also hear us on Future Radio 107.8 FM. Uh, we do appreciate you uh, tuning in to the show. Um, Arsenal Wednesday night, and we've managed to uh, talk our way into to getting two of us there. Unfortunately, Connor won't be with me and Paddy on Wednesday night, and we weren't even we weren't sure how away games would work, um, whether we'd just be one of us, whether we could go at all. But unfortunately, um, we have managed to talk our way into to two people going. First away game in four months um, since Bramall Lane back at the start of March. Um, uh, yeah, it's going to feel quite strange to drive drive to London for a, for a football match on Wednesday. It's not the worst place to go for an away game, though, is it? No, the Emirates. Quite a nice pad. Yeah, uh, it is uh, quite a nice uh, press box. You know, you'll get a little TV, so that always helps with the replays. But um, but so even we, in the press room, you can socially distance, can't you? Because it's like a, a, an aircraft hangar. Yeah, it's like it. Yeah, <laughs> quite. Um, unfortunately, no nice food on this occasion, but um, we won't worry about that one. Um, I'm sure we can take a pat, pat lunch. So we will be up uh, to speed as usual at Pinkin.com as much as we can. And we'll, uh, we'll probably catch up with you guys with a Facebook Live, the other side of that game on Thursday or Friday um, between the Arsenal and Brighton games. But for now, for this week's pod, thanks very much for listening and we'll catch up with you very soon. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.